You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about some hardcore grammar. This segment is by Neil Whitman, so when I say I, that's actually Neil. I saw a family calendar for sale in a gift shop last week. Underneath the label was the explanatory phrase, who does what and goes where when. That phrase is a good illustration of several rules about how we form questions in English that you may not have considered before. First, let's talk about whether that description of the calendar is actually a question. It wasn't punctuated with a question mark, after all. It wasn't me asking personally as I stood there looking at it, who does what? Who goes where when? Instead, the description was telling me, this calendar will answer the questions of who does what and who goes where when. Or at least it will after I buy it and fill in all those names and dates and locations. Questions that are implied as part of a statement are called indirect questions. Unlike a direct question like, what did you do? An indirect question isn't a complete sentence. Instead, it acts as a noun phrase inside a larger sentence. For example, it could be the direct object of a verb like know in I'd like to know who does what and goes where when. I used an indirect question as the object of the preposition of a few sentences ago when I said the question of who does what and goes where when. In other words, an indirect question is a kind of noun clause. If you want to know more about noun clauses, we talked about them in episode 410. Now, let's take a look at some grammar rules that apply to both indirect and direct questions. Let's take a close look at the word and in the calendar description. The and joins two verb phrases that contain question words, does what, and goes where when. So, the question is written on the front of the calendar is a shorter way of writing two questions, who does what, and who goes where when. So, one way of asking about more than one thing at a time is just to use the conjunction and and join your two questions. Who are you and what do you want? Where are we going and when will we arrive? For the second way of asking about more than one thing at a time, we can look at the two questions from the calendar separately. Let's start with who does what. In this question, we're asking about the subject, the person performing the action, and the direct object, the activity that gets done. The subject who comes before the verb does, who does, and the direct object what comes after it, which is the normal position for subjects and direct objects in English, who does what. 
But who isn't at the beginning of the question just because it's the subject? As English speakers know, we put our question word at the beginning to form a question. If it happens to be the subject, the word order is the same as in a regular declarative sentence. If the question word is a direct object, then that comes first, even before the subject. Modifying our calendar example a bit, we could have the phrase, what everyone does, with the direct object, what, coming right before the subject, everyone. So when you're asking about both the subject and the direct object, which one comes first? Well, as we see in our calendar example, the subject comes first. The direct object stays right where it would be if it were an ordinary word instead of a question word. Now, this may seem obvious, but it's not. In some languages, such as Russian, all the question words in a question need to be at the beginning. So if English were like Russian, instead of who does what, it would be who what does. In other languages, such as Chinese, all the question words go right where they'd be if they weren't question words. So if English were like Chinese, instead of who does what, it would be, well, okay, it would still be who does what, since who is the subject and subjects come before their verbs in English. We'll find a better example. Think about the question, who does Ardvark want to do what? We have who, the subject of do, all the way at the front of the sentence, even before we have Ardvark, the subject of want. But if English were like Chinese, it would be, Ardvark wants who to do what? At this point, you might be thinking that the question, Ardvark wants who to do what, actually sounds fine, even though who what does sounds like nonsense to English speakers. You're partially right. If Squiggly were to tell me that Ardvark wants Fenster to roller skate in a buffalo stampede, I might not believe I'd heard right. I'd probably ask, Squiggly wants who to do what? To prompt Fenster to repeat what he'd said. This kind of question is called an echo question. But for ordinary non-echo questions in English, the usual way of doing it is to put one question word, and only one, at the beginning. Now let's move on to the second question on the calendar. Who goes where when? This one has not two, but three question words. The who comes first, of course, just like it does in who does what. But what about where and when? In ordinary declarative sentences in English, we can specify place and time in that order, as in, Fenster goes to the football game at noon. So having where come before when in the question makes sense. On the other hand, we could also mention a time first and then a place as in, Fenster goes at noon to the football game. So, could we also phrase that question as, who goes when, where? Well, to my ear, that doesn't sound so good. I checked some of the corpora at englishcorpora.org, the new home of corpora such as the Corpus of Contemporary American English, which regular listeners have heard me mention before. When I searched for forms of the verb go, followed by where, when, I got examples like these. I keep the documents as a record of what went where when, and time to talk with them about who's going where when. I also did a few ordinary internet searches and found examples such as salves, ointments, and balms, which goes where when. 
But when I did the same search with go followed by when, where, I got nothing. So it may be that in multiple questions involving where and when, the where comes first. But I needed to do another search. For one thing, I'd only been searching for sentences with the verb go. Second, by searching for sentences with where and when right next to each other, I ended up with only sentences that already had another question word at the beginning. To really see which of these words is the winner, I needed to find sentences in which the only question words were where and when, and then see which of those words appeared at the beginning and which appeared farther into a sentence. To do this, I asked for question words that appeared most frequently up to six words before a sentence ending with where and a question mark. As it turns out, sentences similar to who goes where when are kind of rare. After searching several of the English corpora, the only example I found was, you're asking me where I was when? But from the data I've seen so far, in a multiple question with both where and when, the where comes first. We're going to take a quick break, but when I come back, I'll tell you about some interesting things I found that weren't the thing I was looking for. Now I want to talk about some of the sentences I found that I wasn't looking for when I did that last search. They reveal other rules about formatting English questions. Here's a selection of other when-where questions I found. First, the when questions. So when do we see Marcus and where? When can we meet and where? And now the where questions. If so, where did it originate and when? Where shall we meet and when? Some of these examples have when and then where, and some have where and then when, but all of them use the conjunction and to attach the final question word. This brings us back to where we started, joining entire questions with a conjunction. This time, though, some of the questions consist of only the question word. Let's take the last example. Where shall we meet and when? It's an abbreviated way of asking where shall we meet and when shall we meet. The solitary when stands in for an entire question, which we have to mentally fill in using content from the first question. I found many more of these kinds of questions than I found with where and when right next to each other. My conclusion is that although the grammar allows where and when to be right next to each other, it's easier for speakers to use an and to combine the questions. And since we're back to the topic of using and to ask multiple questions, what happens if we search for the phrase when and where, or where and when? All of a sudden, examples are easy to find. In COCA alone, I found hundreds of examples of both when and where and where and when, like these. That teaches us where and when we should have intervened. When and where did humans develop language? If we're now joining where and when with and, should we go back to that first question, who does what, and see about joining who and what with an and? How would that question sound? Who and what does? Wow, okay, that's no good at all. We're trying to use a conjunction to join a subject and a direct object, and English doesn't do that. But when it comes to forming multiple questions, even this rule isn't obvious, because in some languages, who and what does is fine. 
In particular, languages like Russian, which put all their question words at the beginning of a sentence, are more likely to allow it. But in English, you can join multiple question words with a conjunction if they perform the same function. Here are some other examples from Coca. And why do you think he's so afraid of who and what I am now? In that one, who and what are both complements of the verb am. She'll tell us what and who we can expect to see in the highly anticipated new season. In that one, what and who are both direct objects of the verb see. And finally, please explain how and why this is appropriate at a high school basketball game. In that one, how and why are both modifiers of the verb phrase is appropriate at a high school basketball game. So to sum up, investigating the tagline, who does what and goes where when, on the front of a calendar, shows several rules about how questions are formed in the English language. One, you can join entire questions with a conjunction. Two, you can also compress those words into a single sentence that contains multiple question words. Three, in those questions, one and only one of the question words has to come at the beginning of the question. Four, the one that goes at the beginning is the one that would come first if it were in an ordinary declarative sentence. Five, when it's not clear which one would come first, it's more common to go back to joining separate questions with a conjunction. Six, one way of doing this is to state the full question first and let the later question words stand alone instead of repeating the question. And seven, another way is to put all the question words at the beginning, joined by a conjunction, but only if those question words have the same job. And the last thing I realized when I looked at the calendar was this. It's July. No wonder that calendar was on clearance. That segment was written by Neil Whitman, an independent writer and consultant specializing in language and grammar and a member of the Reynoldsburg School Board. You can find him at literalminded.wordpress.com. Finally today, I have a quick, cute family story from Pat. Uh, This is for Kitchen Table Lingo. My name's Pat Stallhut, and I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And in our family, we always revert to my daughter's mispronunciation of being tired because she was learning how to sound out words, and she looked at it and said with her hand over her eyes so dramatically, I'm so tired and fatigued for being tired and fatigued. (laughs) Thanks, Pat. I can just picture that, and it's so funny. If you want to call and leave a voicemail with the story of a word your family and only your family uses, your familect or your kitchen table lingo, the number is 83321-4-GIRL. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at the home of my network, quickanddirtytips.com. And if you're looking to work some micro-learning into your day, check out my Better Writing course on LinkedIn Learning. It's made up of 17 short videos that you can watch one at a time while you're drinking your morning coffee. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sems. And that's all. Thanks for listening. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, 
and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.